You're listening to Shalise's Podcast. Well, Father, I thank you for the good news of the gospel. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for the Holy Spirit. And I thank you, Father, for the kingdom that's inside of us. I thank you for the new creation. I thank you for the reconciliation of all things in Jesus. I thank you for just filling us with your own spirit and with all of the good things that comprise your son, Jesus. Thank you that as Jesus is, so are we in this world. And I thank you that that is really, really, really good news. And so, Father, as we hop into today's uh, podcast, I pray, Father, that you would enlighten the eyes of our understanding, that we might know the hope of our calling. I pray that you would lead and guide us into all truth, Holy Spirit, so that we would be able to see things from your perspective and operate with the mind of Christ. So think through my mind today, Father, I fully yield. Take us where we need to go. Fill my mouth with words of wisdom and with the revelation of the gospel and make it clear to every person that's watching and listening today, Father, so that we can rise into the fullness of our union with Jesus. So I give you praise for all of it in advance. And I thank you that it's done in Jesus name. Amen. Well, awesome, you guys. Uh, We are continuing our series entitled Drop the Charges. And if you have not watched part one of that series or listened to that on the podcast, you're definitely going to want to go check that out because it was really good, you guys. We talked about the proclamation of the victory of Jesus that declares that we are innocent last time. And uh, I went deep into that concept and talked about how, because we are innocent, that we've been chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, that from God's perspective, we are not guilty, that they are, uh, we have been acquitted and that it's not just for those of us who know it, but it's for every single person on the human race, in the human race, that, that God is, uh, in Christ when he uh, was on the earth as Jesus and was crucified and that he took the sins away of the whole world. So I'm not going to go back into that this morning, but I am going to continue today to talk about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, talk about a fallen mindset and talk about something that I really know is a little controversial. In fact, I really prayed about whether or not I should tackle this uh, in this series and if I should tackle it uh, today. And the answer is a resounding yes. And so even though it's a little bit controversial, I'm praying that you guys will have an open mind as you tune in, do some homework on your own to investigate the things that I'm sharing today and uh, just become someone who is a little bit more educated about the doctrines that we have been taught specifically in the Western church, where they come from and why it is healthy to question them. And specifically what I'm talking about is the doctrine of original sin. So before I hop into that, I felt like I wanted to share with you guys really the way that I journeyed into questioning things. You know, um, I grew up in traditional Western evangelical Christianity in a Southern Baptist denomination, which if you've listened to my podcast for very long at all, you've heard me probably talk about that. And then in my 30s, um, well, in between that, in my 20s, I actually attended for uh, several years a Presbyterian church. And honestly, at the Presbyterian church, that was the first time I really ever heard the message of grace. 
And I remember I would go and sit in the pews in that uh, particular church and a couple of the different churches that I went to that were Presbyterian. And I would literally cry. I would just sit there and cry because I had never really uh, heard messages that were focused on grace and were focused on the goodness of God. And then, of course, in my 30s, I got filled with the Holy Spirit and I started attending charismatic uh, churches and I started hearing about the miraculous power of God and intimacy with God. And I got introduced to more uh, teaching around the gospel of grace. And honestly, through revelation and through my own encounters, also began experiencing union with God. And union with God completely changed my life. It changed my theology. It changed my experience of God. It changed everything really about me and my walk with God. And But I want to really talk about a key piece of this that kind of really got me to questioning a lot of the things that I had been taught. Obviously, um, in my own journey, uh, I really feel that I have radically shifted my image of God and my image of myself as I became more educated about what the gospel really is, about what the early church fathers actually believed and how the gospel as a message really evolved since the time of the early church and the time of the very first apostles and disciples. And in that process, I have let go of a lot of really toxic theology. And when I talk about to- toxic theology, I'll talk about why it's toxic in our uh, in our podcast today. But I felt like I wanted to start with one of the really powerful things that happened to me. And one of the powerful things that happened to me that also spurred me into this kind of religious detox and this questioning of toxic uh, Christianity was the fact that I actually met Jesus for myself. And, you know, when I say that, that may seem really strange to people. But, you know, I in all of the years that I considered myself a Christian, really grew up in church, uh, you know, responded to an altar call when I was 10 years old. Uh, spent two days uh, begging God to save me uh, because I knew I was a sinner and I didn't want to go to hell. And just the torment that I had really through all of my teen years and honestly, the rebellion that it resulted in, because no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't be good. I couldn't, I I didn't feel like I could please God. And I had such a relationship with performance and, and the law. And, you know, every time I would read the Bible, I would just read what I wasn't, right? And it would just condemn me and I would feel guilty. And You know, I just had a really poor image of who God was and a a really poor understanding of the gospel. It was very much a sin conscious gospel. It was very much a relationship with, you know, trying to be good and trying its self-righteousness and trying to obey the rules and trying to be loving and kind and do the right thing. And really in and of my own power and my own strength, apart from understanding union with God or, you know, our new identity in Christ, or even really having the power of the Holy Spirit operating in my life and and a connection with grace. But when I say that I met Jesus, right? So in my 30s, I just want to tell a little bit of this story because I'm telling it as a foundation for why um, I really started questioning things, okay? Because when I met Jesus, he was not at all like I expected or had been taught. And when I say that I met Jesus, what happened was, is shortly after I had been filled with the Holy Spirit, God uh, gave me an instruction. I started hearing the voice of God and uh, God gave me instructions to go to this particular ministry for a weekend 
once a month for a whole year. They were doing this this program called Trophies of Grace, and it was this retreat center. And I'll tell you, the person that ran this retreat center had an incredible amount of intimacy with Jesus. In fact, um, she was an elderly lady. She was in her 80s. And I used to just joke because I thought, you know, she had outlived three husbands. Uh, I think that she probably slept about three hours a night. She she looked like she was in her 40s, even though she was in her 80s. Uh, when you would go to this retreat center, you couldn't wear shoes. Um, it was a fasting center. So you would fast when you went there or you had to leave the facility if you wanted to go eat. And uh, this woman would pray before you came and uh, booked the re retreat center and she would put you in a particular room based upon, you know, when she prayed on where to put you. And each one of the rooms had a theme. Okay, so there was like the, the blood of Jesus room, there was the bridal room, and each one was decorated. And it was a very, um, very interesting place. And um, I had a lot of really powerful things happen to me during that year. And it was when I very first started having visions and I very, and I very first started feeling the tangible presence of God, meaning I would feel, you know, like fire on my hands or I would feel like this presence on one of my ears or my feet would feel like they were on fire. And at first I even didn't even, didn't even have a grid for like, what was this? I mean, I had such a grid for the demonic. I had such a grid for uh, being afraid of anything that was supernatural or thinking by default that things that were supernatural were demonic, um, that I just was even nervous about that. And I just thought, you know, is this God? How do I know it's God? And I had a lot of questions and a lot of issues that honestly I needed to be healed from that I learned in church. And what I want to say is, is that I started having dreams and I started having visions and I started having encounters with God as a result of attending this retreat center. And the truth is that this woman's uh, doctrine wasn't necessarily new covenant. It wasn't necessarily grace. In fact, I was learning so much about those doctrines at the time. I would question whether I should even be there because it felt like there was so much law and there felt like there was a, a mixture of law and grace. And but the Holy Spirit told me, no, this woman has something. She has an impartation for you. And that impartation was intimacy. And I can tell you, I totally received it. I totally received it from this person. And as a result of receiving it, again, I started to have my own experiences with Jesus. And the very first encounter or vision that I ever had, I was actually driving. I can't remember if I was driving there. Or I was driving home, but I was in the car. It was about a two hour drive for me to get to this place. And I remember I was just praying in the spirit. It was raining. And you guys know that when you're driving, you can kind of, you know, go into like this, I don't know, your own little trance, right? Like you're just driving subconsciously. You're not even really aware that you're driving. And um, it was empty roads and I was driving in the rain. And all of a sudden, as I was praying in the spirit, I had a vision. And in the vision, I was a, a young child. I probably was, I don't know, maybe seven, maybe eight. And I was hiding behind this really big rock and it was raining in the vision. I was freezing cold and I was filthy. I was dirty. It's like I had fallen in the mud and I was just really, um, I had mud and dirt all over me. And Jesus walks up to me, comes up to me while I'm hiding behind this boulder. And he says to me, where have you been? I've been looking for you everywhere. And this little seven-year-old me or eight-year-old me looks up to Jesus and the very first words out of my mouth were, I've been a bad little girl. 
And I knew in that moment that I was out there hiding in the rain, cold and shivering and dirty because I had, I, I, I had the idea that I was bad. And that's a beautiful, you know, it's a disturbing, but it's a, a beautiful picture. I mean, it's an accurate picture of what shame is, right? Shame is where we go and we hide from God because we believe that we're bad. And we don't just, we don't, we don't just think that we've done bad things. See, shame is where you actually take on an identity that you're bad. And I remember as I was driving in the car and that I, I saw this vision, I, I just remember tears rolling down my face. And Jesus said to me, he said, get in the house, get in the house right now. Go, 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 get in the house. Come on, get in the house. Just like that, just like your mom used to tell you when you know you got in the mud and got all dirty and you needed to go get a bath. He said, get in the house. He said, get in there and take a shower. And in the distance, I looked up and there was this beautiful house and I didn't even really understand what he meant because it was like it was my home. And I remember running towards this house and I walked into the house and my very first impression was, first of all, it was Christmas time in the house. I later understood that, you know, every day in heaven, they celebrate the birth of Jesus. So it was representative. I also can tell you I have really good memories of Christmas as a child. It was one of the few times that my parents weren't fighting and there was presence and there was um, it just kind of like we were a normal family. And so I think there's something about that and it representing home. But as I walked into the house, it also smelled like chocolate chip cookies. So there were cookies. The whole house smelled like cookies. And I'm not sure exactly what that represents, except who doesn't love cookies? And isn't that just a representation of the goodness of God? Uh, but, you know, as I went upstairs, I, I realized that I actually had a room in this house and there was a bathroom that I was supposed to go in and take a shower, except that it wasn't a regular shower. It was a blood shower. And I know that may sound morbid or something, but you know what, when you have a revelation of the blood of Jesus, and of course I knew the power of the blood of Jesus, I knew that it was, it was significant. And I knew I was supposed to take a shower in the blood. And I hear Jesus, you know, t telling me, yeah, go up there and take a shower. Go ahead, go ahead and wash all that off. Wash all that off. And when I got out of the shower, he says, look, I've got, I've got a robe for you. And he showed me, he had this big, white, fluffy robe. And it, I, he said, it's a robe of righteousness. And then I had these white little slippers that were big, fluffy white slippers. And he put me in the slippers and I knew it was a representation of like the prodigal son story where he put on the robe and he put on the shoes, right? And it was warm, just out of the dryer, you know, just perfect. And then I saw the Lord say, and look, I have a new dress for you. And it was a party dress. And it reminded me immediately of the scripture that he gives you garments of praise. And I just remember bawling and bawling and bawling in this particular experience. Now, at the time, I was still struggling with some areas of bondage in my life. Um, I had some habitual sin that I was trapped in that I was unable to, to break out of on my own. And I remember feeling really condemned about it and really guilty about it. And I remember another experience that I had one time when I was in the middle of it, right? I was in the middle of actually committing these sins. And Jesus showed up and he said to me, he said to me, because I was saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. And I mean, I could cry just thinking about it. I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I don't want to be like this. I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know why I can't stop doing this. I'm so, and I was so ashamed, so much shame, right? Just so much shame. 
And again, I heard Jesus and I had this beautiful picture of his face. And he said to me, where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. And at the time, you guys listen, right? I mean, I had come out of having a diagnosis with bipolar. I had struggled with depression. I'd struggled with anxiety my entire, you know, for my entire adult life. Um, my goodness, I was an intense partier. Um, I mean, I had started doing drugs when I was 15 years old just to escape pain. And I mean, I had some serious problems and I had some serious issues. I mean, I, I tell people it was like I was a walking dead person. I looked successful on the outside, but I was very, very broken on the inside. And I'm sharing these stories with you today because, you know, what happened actually through these experiences that I was having with Jesus, I mean, he would wake me up in the morning and tell me to get up and dance with him. And I was having these beautiful experiences of acceptance from Jesus and non-judgment from Jesus and him telling me that, that my real problem was that was my image of myself and my real problem was shame. And was thinking that I was bad. And he would tell me that I was a princess, that I was chosen, that I was royalty. And he would speak these things to me. And I will tell you, I would just cry when I would hear these things because there was nothing inside of me at that moment that believed those things. I had a really, really poor image of myself. And if I'm honest, okay, I can also tell you through the years of inner healing work that I've done, through the years of supernatural mind renewal that I've done, through encounters with Jesus and through studying the gospel and through, honestly, just the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. You guys, when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I mean, I was always a reader. I like to, I mean, I like to read. I would read a novel. I would read, you know, I traveled a lot for business and I would always have a book that I was reading on airplanes and hotel rooms and stuff. But I will tell you, when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden I was reading 10 books a week. And if you guys hang out with me or you work with me in my programs, you know that I have more books to recommend than we have time to read. But the reason is, is because ever since that time, I have had the grace on my life to renew my mind. I've had the grace on my life to read and study the gospel, to, to, to dive into the truth. And it is not of myself. I'm telling you, something happened to me. I, number one, because I have a call on my life to, to teach others. But number two, because I was so broken. I needed the truth. I needed information. And I needed a supernatural ability to actually read it, understand it, and, and grasp it. Okay, so here's the thing. I met Jesus. And I remember what Jesus said to me one time. Because I had so much guilt and condemnation, even about... I mean, when I was in ninth grade, like one of the things that happened to me is Jesus revealed to me, like when everything, like I made a vow. I didn't know I was making a vow. I didn't even remember it till Jesus brought it up to me. But in ninth grade, I made a decision. I made a judgment. And I said, you know what? This trying to be good isn't working. Like to heck with this, right? I, I'm done. I'm done trying to be a good girl. And honestly, I just decided, I made this like little inner decision that, you know what? I'm just going to have fun. I'm just going to make fun. Fun is the name of the game here. And honestly, from there is where things started to go downhill for me as it related to, you know, I'm getting involved in, you know, premarital sex and I'm getting involved with drugs and I'm getting involved with all of these activities, frankly, because I was so broken and so hurt and didn't, I didn't, I, I, you know, in my mind, of course, it, you know, it, it's rebellion from God. But the truth is, I was a broken human being and I was trying to escape pain and so when Jesus came to me one day and, and this is what he said to me, he said, you know, you never rebelled against me. And I remember thinking Jesus was always telling me these things that I just like, what? Where sin does abound, grace is much more abound. Like, 
you know what, get in there and take, I mean, he was always trying to renew my mind. You're a princess, right? You're not a sinner. Like quit seeing yourself this way. You're not an orphan. I was adopted, right? I had three dads by the time I was three. Like you're, I chose you. You're my idea. Like he was always telling me these things that honestly nobody else had ever told me. I didn't hear it in church. I didn't know where to go read about these things because all I knew was a gospel that had been presented to me by Western evangelical Christianity. So then, you know, you even start to doubt, like, am I crazy? Like, is this the real Jesus? But here's what I know. The fruit of it was changing me. The fruit of me was healing me. The fruit of it was healing me. I was, I was, I was falling in love with Jesus and I was, I was healing my relationship with myself. So the fruit of this thing was very powerful, but I didn't know what to think about all of it because I didn't know nobody, I didn't know where to go and hear it and learn it. And he told me this. He said, you never rebelled against me. He said, you you rebelled against a version of me that was never me, Shalice. And he said, guess what? Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep rebelling against a religious version of me, a false me. Like, it's not me. And by the way, keep rebelling against a false version of you because it's not you. And I just, I'm telling you guys, like, I've had... I mean, at this point, countless experiences with Jesus, with the Father, with the Holy Spirit. And what happened was, is I got to know Jesus for myself. And you know, the Holy Spirit says this in John 16 and John 14. It talks about how the Holy Spirit will manifest Jesus to him. Jesus says, you know, I'm going away, but it's good for you that I'm going to go away. And then he talks about the Holy Spirit will come and make him make me real to you. I will manifest myself to you. And that's what was happening to me. And so here I had this like conflict. I had this conflict between the Jesus that was healing me and the Jesus that was uh, teaching me about righteousness and teaching me about shame and teaching me about the way that I saw him and the way that I saw myself. And then I had all of this church stuff, all of this stuff that I was learning in church or had learned in church. And honestly, I call it the detox because I was detoxing from religion. I was detoxing from separation from God. And, you know, it is something to meet someone versus read about someone. It's something to meet someone versus have other people tell you about someone. And so for many years, I felt inadequate and I felt uh, unqualified to share what I had experienced. I mean, I would share it. I mean, I've been in ministry for over 20 years. I mean, so it wasn't that I wasn't sharing it. It's just that I I didn't know how to like, except lead people into their own experiences with Jesus. I didn't know, I didn't know enough to be able to be like unpack logically or unpack, unpack things in a way that was like these things that we've been taught, you know, scripturally, how do I, how do I actually describe these wrong doctrines that we've been taught in church that have literally destroyed our ability to um, relate to God. They've caused us to hide from God. They've caused us to feel so ashamed of ourselves and cause us cause have caused mental illness, have caused depression, have caused anxiety, have literally made us sick because we have we have lost uh, the truth of who God is and who Jesus is and what the gospel is. And so I have, I mean, I definitely talk about this. I mean, gosh, you guys have listened to my podcast. I mean, I'm always talking about separation from God. I'm always talking about detoxing from religion, but I want to talk today 
about the doctrine of original sin. And the reason I want to talk about it and the reason I started with that story is because what happened is when I experienced the real Jesus, like I just intuitively knew that something is wrong. Something is wrong with what I'm being taught in church. Something is wrong with Christianity. Something is wrong with the way people are presenting the gospel and the way people are relating to God. Like something is really, 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 really wrong. Okay. And then guess what? I just continued to have experiences with Jesus. And the fruit of these these experiences was wholeness. The fruit of these experiences were were freedom, were freedom from sin. The, the, the fruit of these things was all of a sudden things that I had been in bondage for it to for years were falling off of me. And what was falling off of me first and foremost was religion. What was falling off of me was this bondage that I had learned in church, you guys, in, in the world, yes. I mean, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and a performance system is in the world. It's everywhere. And, the, and the, frankly, the world system includes the religious system. But man, I, I just intuitively started to know these things need to be questioned. I may not have had the answer necessarily. I didn't, maybe I didn't have the, the theology to back up like what my intuition and what I just inherently felt at the core of my being that something was wrong with this. That I needed. And here's the thing, you know, in that system, in this church system, you're not even allowed to question. And God forbid that you question or you disagree because you'll get kicked out of your church. You will lose your friends. You will be called a heretic. You will be accused of being controlled by demons. You will be say, oh, that's doctrine of demons. I mean, like you, you will be ostracized. You will be rejected. You won't even have a place to fellowship or call home or even be able to to worship God because you are questioning the things and the doctrines that that are being taught. And so there's this also this fear, this fear to question, this fear of being deceived, this fear of of you know looking at other alternatives you know, and there's just, it's this bondage that's also enforced by fear, right? And then really, honestly, spiritual abuse, like it's abuse at the worst kind, because it's spiritually based. And so we get locked into this brainwashing, and we get locked into this system that we're never allowed to question. And I had a really big problem. Because here I was encountering the love of God, the beauty of God, the goodness of God, the truth that was setting me free, but yet it wasn't necessarily aligned with the things that I had been taught. And I'm so grateful for the teachers in the body of Christ that God has used along the way that let me know, oh my gosh, the things that you're thinking are not crazy. They aren't even new. And he would continually, the Holy Spirit would continually introduce me to streams in the body of Christ. I mean, I have been what I call a stream jumper (laughs) for 20 years. Like people, I mean, sometimes I feel like I don't even have a home because I don't know where I fit. It's like when you're deconstructing from something, it's like, you, you know, you find this new thing that actually explains the doctrine that you knew inherently wasn't right. But now you, you, it's like, I've just been, I've been learning this entire time for decades at this point of like, this deconstruction of Western evangelical Christianity. And I'm talking about eschatology. I'm talking about 
Oh my goodness, right? Um, original sin. I'm talking up about penal substitution. I mean, yes, I have words for these doctrines now, but I didn't even have words for these doctrines when I just started to start to think like, okay, what is this? What is this that I know inherently doesn't feel like love? What is it this inherently? It says perfect love casts out fear. What are these things that cause fear in me? And how do I, how do I discern like this, this, what I need to let go of and what I, what I need to hold on to. And so I just wanted to kind of give you a little bit of that introduction so that you could understand this journey that I've been on for decades at this point. I mean, my whole life really and my life purpose have, have come out of honestly the pain, the pain that growing up in Western evangelical um, evangelical, evangelicalism, I guess I could say it that way, but the Western evangelical church, like the, the, the pain that it inflicted in my psyche. Okay. Because original sin and this idea of this shame based identity. Okay. That we are sinners, that we are bad at our core. Like there is something wrong with us from the moment we are born. We are evil. Okay. Like we are, we have a propensity for evil from the moment that we are born. Okay. It's in us. It's something in you. It's a virus that is in you and you are bad. Okay. And if you want to be good, then you need to believe in Jesus. Because if you don't believe in Jesus, because you're inherently bad, you're going to burn consciously you're going to consciously burn be burned forever forever no relief no um you know you don't it's not like prisons in here in america or like in other parts of the world where at least you get some yard time or at least you get to go to school or something like you're you know and, and they're not they're not torturing people in our prisons in fact it's illegal I just saw a documentary or just saw something the other day about like the, the conspiracies that were going on after 9-11 because they were waterboarding prisoners that they suspected to be terrorists. And so they were torturing people. And so, so but but in heaven, apparently, in, in God's kingdom, torture's fine, you know? And I'm sharing these things not because, I mean, I just, there's a part of me that just wants to wake you up a little bit today. It's like, I just want to wake you up and give you permission to question things, to give you permission to ask the Holy Spirit, is there another alternative view? Is this really the where did where did these things come from? Where did these doctrines come from? Where did eternal conscious torment come from? Where did our doctrines of hell come from? Okay, what where did they start? What did the people in the Old Testament believe about hell? What did the people in Jesus's day believe about hell? What are the root words of the, in the Hebrew and the Greek that are translated in modern English translations into the word hell? But that's, you know, what, what were those places? And again, this isn't a podcast on hell. It's a podcast on where did this stuff come from? Where did this come from? Because I never, I never questioned where it came from. I was a small child. I didn't know to question it. I trusted the people. I trusted my parents. I trusted my Sunday school teachers. I trusted my pastors. I trusted people because I didn't know not to trust anybody. Okay. And it's not even that I'm mad. I mean, I mean, gosh, God knows I've gone through anger phases, but it's not even like I'm telling you to be mad at people because it's like the, the truth is that this is a system. It's a system of mind control. 
And it's a system of mind control that has enabled people to justify things like slavery. It's been uh, justified to burn people at the stake, P the people that um, that didn't agree with it. Like we, we pe martyrs weren't just martyred by heathens. Okay. People were martyred because of heresies. I mean, it was considered heresy at one point to believe that the earth wasn't flat. It was considered, I mean, there's, you guys, like there is a history here. There is a, if you want to talk about a conspiracy, okay, like, you know, gosh, I mean, Christian nationalism has, has you know, everybody's into conspiracies, not just Christian nationalism, but right and left, everybody's into all these conspiracies. And I'm not even saying that the conspiracies aren't true. I'm just telling you that we've come to a place where we have we are in a place in history where we distrust our institutions. We distrust our government. And frankly, there's a there's a reason why there's a big exodus out of church. There's a, a reason why there's this massive thing called postmodernism. There's a thing called deconstruction in the body of Christ. Why? Because people are waking up. The Internet has come online. People can do their own Bible studies. People can go and read books. People can investigate things on their own that before we had a Bible translated into English, we could even read the scriptures. And now that we have 20 translations of scriptures or how many ever translations of English scriptures that are now, you know, we can look at different translations of scripture. We actually have different ways of going and investigating root words. There's so much information. There's so many teachers. There's so many different things that we can investigate. And I guess the main thing I want to say in this, and I'm talking about dropping the charges, you guys. I know that I'm, it doesn't sound like I'm talking about dropping the charges, but here's the thing. If we are going to connect with the real goodness of God and with the real powerful, incredible, almost too good to be true, like it feels too good to be true gospel, then what that means is that we're going to have to unplug. We're going to have to unplug from certain sources of teaching and we're going to have to plug in to new sources and we're going to have to have our we're going to have to we're going to have to get past cognitive dissonance we're going to have to get past our inability to question anything because it's threatening it's threatening to our worldview it's threatening to our, our the infrastructure that we've built our lives upon um, because some of these doctrines that we have internalized are destroying us. And they're not just destroying us individually. They're destroying our country. They're destroying relationships with people. They're, they're pushing people away from, from God and from church. And I want to say that because to me, one of the most questionable doctrines that we need to, we need to dive into is this concept of original sin. Now, I have alluded to this problem in many previous episodes. I have an entire podcast out there called Original Glory. And you know what? Some people may just tune out and not even be able to listen to me after I've shared what I've shared. But here's the, th here's the thing. It's worth me being honest with you guys and me sharing where I'm coming from and sharing my heart and sharing my journey with you in the hopes that one of you get free. Because freedom is worth the cost and freedom is worth our lives. And regardless if we're called heretics, regardless if we're burned at the stake, regardless of the consequences, the truth is worth, worth staking your life on. It's worth being on the side of. And if you have never questioned the things that you've been taught, 
that I can tell you right now, that is where deception lies. If, if, you, if you are unwilling to question or unwilling to have an open mind or can't even listen to another alternative view without getting triggered and without calling someone names, then I can tell you right now, it's a guaranteed formula for being deceived. And, you know, I think I've talked about this in podcasts. I don't know where I've talked about it, but I've talked about the difference between academic Christianity and pop Christianity. Okay. And what is pop Christianity? It's popular Christianity. But see, there's a big cultural difference between academic Christianity and popular Christianity. See, in academic Christianity, which, by the way, you know, that that would be people that consider themselves theologians, okay, or are studying to be theologians or called to be theologians. Like if you're called to be a theologian, it's very common in academia, not, not even just in theology. I mean, this is in science. This is in all. I mean, again, it's it's just. It's not so much in the culture that we live in right now where everything's so divided, but healthy academia is you what you're, you're able to debate. In fact, that was the Jewish culture. I mean, Jesus was debating with the scribes when he was 12 years old, like debate and disagreement and, you know, uh, you know, I want to say civil argument <laughs> is is is. Is, in, is encouraged. It's encouraged as a way of learning and it's encouraged as a way of solidifying your theories and your, your uh, conclusions that you're drawing, right? So you can have people in that are theologians or people that, that operate in that culture of academia and be able to have completely different views of scripture, completely different interpretations of things and still be best friends and still go to dinner and still have coffee together. And don't think either one of them are, are the devil, they just think, hey, they've drawn different conclusions, right? And and unfortunately, we now live in a time where, God forbid, you have a disagreement with someone. God forbid you have a different political affiliation with someone. God forbid that you you view a, view a particular issue on one side of the issue different than someone else. God forbid you vote for a different political candidate. God forbid that you, you know, you question these, these you know, things that we hold to be so, so true, because we will we will break relationship over it and and there's no unity because of it. I mean thousands and thousands of Christian denominations at this point because we break relationship because we disagree. Now I'm saying that because I'm setting this up to say we need to question the doctrine of original sin. How many of you have ever just googled it just to say where does this come from? Who is the originator of the doctrine of original sin? Because if you were like me, you just thought, well, this is just like the cross. Like it's, you know, this is doctrine, this is doctrine, the cross happened, da, 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 original sin. Like this is just the way that it is. But the truth is that is not the way that it always was. That there was a time in church history when original sin was introduced. It was introduced as a doctrine. And there's more than one take on the doctrine of original sin. And again, if you've never done any research on this or you've never done any study on this, I mean, maybe you've never even had anybody say you should question it. You should question it. Maybe you should question the fact that you were born inherently evil. Maybe you should question that sin was inherited from Adam rather than the tree of the knowledge of good and evil being inherited from Adam. Maybe you should question um, where our origin really is. Is it actually in Adam or was it actually in God? Was the was was you know the ephesians that was written by paul who says that we were in christ before the foundation of the world were we in christ before we were in adam you know so there's things to question about this and let me tell you why it's also important to question these things is because 
let me tell you the damage that the, the concept of there's something inherently bad about you. See, that means that we were born with shame and we should be ashamed of ourselves. In the same way Adam and Eve hid from God in the garden, we need to hide from God because we're evil. And we're not worthy. We're not worthy of love. We're not worthy of God. We're not worthy of anything. We're definitely not worthy of good things in this life. And we're, we're really not worthy of good things after we die either. Like there's a real problem. There's a problem. And, and then we, we learn the gospel like, oh, here's the solution. The solution to the problem is Jesus. But here's the thing, you guys, like it's, it's, it becomes a selfish thing. Like we actually are choosing Jesus to fix us. We're choosing Jesus because we're something inherently wrong with us. That's in, I mean, like at the core wrong with us. And it's not about coming to God because it's love. It's coming to God because of fear. It's coming to God because we're afraid of hell. We're, we're afraid of dying. We're afraid of punishment. We're terrified of it. We're ter and that's why we're hiding. And it sets you up for this really terrible relationship with yourself. It sets you up with a really terrible relationship with death, a really terrible relationship with God. And, and how do I know? Because I had it. I had all of these, these things. And it's been a lot. I mean, I'm about to turn 55. Okay. My birthday's next month. And in 55 years, I've been on a journey to try to be loved and to understand what love is and to understand who God is and to understand the world and to understand the point and to understand why I believe in God and why is that real and why is that worth it? And I mean, I have so many things. It's why my work is why I do emerge, right? I mean, I, I, the five big questions of life, right? That we go through and emerge. Who is God? Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I headed? And how do I get there? I mean, these are the existential questions of the universe. Like I have been thinking about these things probably my entire life. And I, and, and truthfully for many, many years, I ran from the answers to those questions and I ran from a God that I was scared of and I ran and it was, and I didn't want to believe in, I did not want to believe in that version of God because that version of God did not feel like love. And I'm just saying out loud right now, what a lot of people think and what a lot of people, and how do I know? Because you know what? We have a safe tribe here. Like we, we, the work that we do in Emerge, it gives permission for people to start over, for people to reboot their relationship with God and really, really rethink the gospel. It's why my company's called Rethink, right? And so what is, what is this doctrine? You know, what is this original sin? Well, you know, then there's other doctrines that go along with it, right? Like there's the age of accountability, right? So then when we, you know, some people say it's eight, some people say it's 12. Again, there's no scriptural foundation. You can't find the word original sin anywhere in the, in, anywhere in scripture. And I know you can't find Trinity in scripture either. So it's just because a doctrine isn't, you know, laid out specifically in scripture. I'm not trying to, you know, say that there can't be a doctrine that's not specifically, but you can go and you can say, you know, you can infer these things, but heck, there's people that don't believe in the Trinity. But my point is, is that, you know, there was this age of accountability that, that, that also cropped up, right? So we've got 
eight years old or 12 years old. And then, right, then we started infant baptisms. Why are we doing infant baptisms? Because they're inherently evil and we need to, we need to sanctify them so that they don't go to hell, right? There's, I mean, there's so much, you guys. And then we don't even, we don't even talk to people from other denominations. Like how many of you were, grew up, I grew up, you know, being taught that Catholicism, people that were Catholics weren't even Christians, right? I, I wasn't exposed to East, Eastern Orthodoxy at all which Eastern Orthodoxy ends up being, I mean, they didn't inherit these things. Like they didn't, and they don't, they don't believe in original sin. Like, so I'm not going to like, I'm almost out of, I mean, I'm basically out of time today, so I can't go further into this, but I guess the point of today's podcast is if I'm going to really talk about some of these things and talk about drop the charges and talk about the, the mankind's innocence and talk about really the damage that judgment is doing and the tree of the knowledge of getting evil and frankly this doctrine of original sin is doing in our lives then i have to get you guys to a place that you're willing to just have an open mind okay and you know there's books out there that you can read called you know there's several called original blessing um you can go out and you can just just google like where did the doctrine of original sin uh originate you can go out and google um what denominations believe in the doctrine of original sin what is the doctrine of original sin okay and here's what I want to tell you, that it needs to be questioned, okay? I'm going to continue to expound on this topic, and I'm going to continue to expound on topics like this that we have inherited in Western evangelical Christianity that have done a lot of damage. It's toxic, okay? I'm just going to go out and say it. It's toxic. You believing that there's something inherently wrong with you and that you are bad, not only is that not true, Okay, because you're in Christ. Okay, you're in Christ. You are righteous because you're in Christ. You're one with God. But when you became one with God is also really important. So if you go and read Ephesians and you go and read that, hey, we were in Christ before before time began, that we were God's idea, that he predestined us, right, to, to the adoption of sons. Right. If you go and read in Ephesians 2.10, where it says we're his masterpiece recreated in Christ Jesus, born from above, born anew. Right. Like that we might do the good works that he preordained for us. Like the, the works were preordained. Jesus was slain before the foundation of the world. So time is an element here that plays into the reality that we are inherently good. We're inherently good because we're inherently in Christ. Now, was there a problem? Yeah, it's called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When you're born, you're born into a system. You're born into a world system. You're born into a system that creates shame and a, and a system that causes you to hide from God. Okay. But there's other, there's other ways to look at these doctrines. And so do some research. Okay. I want you to do some research and not just on this doctrine, guys. I mean, I encourage you go look up hell go look up eschatology go look up things to learn that there's other things out there besides the one that you've ascribed to because here's the thing the doctrine and the theology that you have from god is a lens it is a lens that will cause you because you have a reticular activating system in your brain it will cause you to confirm it you will find evidence that supports your viewpoint and you can read the Bible through a lens of Jesus and uh, uh, through the through a Christocentric lens, or you can read the Bible through a separated lens. 
You can read the Bible through uh, a view of just it, it being about covenants. You can view the Bible as the word of God, the inherent, you know, the uh, the infallible word of God. You could like there's many ways that you can look at the same issue. And I just want to encourage you to be open minded. If you're here, I know that you're here because you're hearing me and I'm different. You're hearing something different and maybe you've heard before. And I just want to say you have permission to question. You have permission to be free. You have permission to draw conclusions and you have permission to study, to show yourself approved. And you have you also have permission to disagree. You have permission to disagree with me and you have permission to disagree with others. Like you are free. You are free to agree and disagree. And it doesn't mean anything about you and it doesn't mean anything about me. Truthfully, our opinion of each other should be based on God's opinion of us. And God's opinion of us is that we're redeemed, we're holy, we're innocent, and we're perfect. So we're all renewing our minds. We're all on a journey. We're all on uh, a journey with Holy Spirit to be led and guided into the truth. And I just want to tell you that this is a very, very powerful thing to say, I'm going to drop the charges uh, against others who disagree with me. I'm going to drop the charges against myself and consider that I'm not inherently bad. I'm going to drop the charges against others and consider that they aren't inherently bad. And I'm just going to come into a place of open heartedness and I'm going to come into a place of humility and say, Jesus, reveal yourself to me. Uh, Holy Spirit, teach me the truth, lead and guide me into truth. And with that being said, you guys, I'm out of time. So I could talk on this for three more hours and goodness knows I've been kicking around doing some webinars and doing some other things to, to, to hopefully dive deeper than I can, even in a podcast series. But um, God bless you. I love you. I pray that this episode has got you thinking and I pray that it will encourage you to do some research on your own and that you'll tune in for our subsequent podcast where I can unpack some of these issues and specifically this issue of original sin a little deeper. All right. God bless you. I love you guys. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Shalisa's podcast. This recording is in part made possible by our listeners. To partner with us, visit Shalise.com, where you can donate and help us spread the good news of our unshakable union with Christ around the globe. You can also find a link there to download Shalise's book, The Path, for free. And if you're ready to discover the call of God on your life and the purpose He created you for, then visit us at Shalise.com and watch Shalise's free training where you'll hear five keys to hearing God about your life purpose and transitioning into it. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, don't forget, the world needs the Christ in you.